Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome everyone. We are continuing to discuss First Samuel in our morning Bible study. We're happy you're here to join us. Let's pray. Let's all bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Lord, we thank you for who you are. And we just invite you and your Holy Spirit into this place. To have your way to teach us, to lead us, to guide us into truth, into you. Teaching us who you are, your ways, your thoughts. That we can apply them to our lives, Lord. And be more like you. Be more like Jesus. So we thank you and praise you that you are already imparting knowledge and wisdom and you in us and in our lives. Lord, if there's any odd or anything that is preventing us from receiving, receiving of you, we forgive, Lord, and we ask you to forgive us so that there is nothing between you and us, mm-hmm. nothing that prevents us from, from receiving and of you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Jesus Amen. Amen. If this is your first time joining us, welcome, welcome. But take a moment to go back. We started all the way in um, the first chapter of 1 Samuel. So go back and listen to those video, uh, those other teachings and catch up with us where we are today. All right. So we're in chapter 30. And I'm going to break this up in a few different sections, but... For the first section, could we get someone to read the first eight verses, please? I will. All right, promise. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, burned it with fire, and had taken captive the woman of those and those who were there. From small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, their daughters, had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with them lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, um, Ahinoam. Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, mm-hmm. and Abigail. Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, have been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his son his and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Priest, bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right, so we'll open the floor to you guys. What questions or comments? you have, or most importantly, what did the Holy Spirit reveal to you in this? 
I was kind of curious about why they decided they're, why they're saying they're going to stone David because they're distressed. That makes or bitter. Sense. They were literally bitter of soul. Mm-hmm. Well, let's consider things from the natural perspective. That's clearly where everyone was at. And what happened? He led them away, and then all this stuff happened? Exactly. So let's go back from the last chapter. He's got all the warriors with him because they are gearing up and preparing to go to battle on behalf of King Akish, right? Yes. Okay. Which means whoever's left with the city where they were is all but unprotected, right? Yes. Okay. They're rejected by King Akish, not so much by him, but by the other kings of the Philistines, and told to leave and depart and go back home, right? Yes. And then they return, and the place is burned to the ground. And everything that they had is gone. They So, in a span of however, whatever period of time, they lost everything. It's pretty significant. Not unlike Job, right? Yes. But what's human perspective? That it was his fault that all this stuff happened? Find someone to blame. Find someone to blame. All right? Yes. Do we not see that in our own lives? And dealing with, with people sometimes? Yes. It's easier to blame other people than to look at ourselves. See what we could have done different. Right? Yes. Okay. So you have kind of the same thing here, but then also you see the what happens with leaders. Leaders end up taking the blame for whether they take it and shoulder it themselves for the negative things that happen, or it gets put on them because they're in charge by people when things go wrong. It uh, is a great responsibility to being a leader and to leading people. And yes, much of the blame has is shouldered by leaders, mm-hmm. especially good leaders. Mm-hmm. So, but in this case, the people put the blame on David. So, yes, the people were distressed, but then it caused David to also be distressed. The same people that you that he had led and built up for all these years. Not that he was was just him, it was the Lord working in and through him, building up the people, teaching them skills and how to protect themselves, all these these things. And it started with people that initially came to him running from Saul for their lives, right? People that were in debt, people that had all these other issues. They came to David for safety, for protection. Well, now that, I'll say trust, has been violated, right? Yes. If someone breaks into someone's house, that person, the victim, feels violated. The home is no longer a safe place, right? Yes. Okay, well, you have that same thing played out here. So, that's the human perspective on things. But what did David do? Mm. 
Notice how this is the first time it says this in quite a few chapters, or something to this effect. All right, we brought up last the last time about while David was running around and raiding all these people and murdering all the potential witnesses so no one could, um, you know, uh, report on what he was doing, right? Yes. Uh, it doesn't say that he was seeking the Lord on what he should do. Ever. In that section. But now, he's been brought to a place where, because of his own actions and own doing, it's brought him to a place where he has to look up and has to seek the Lord. Right? Yes. Now he was sky high, right, cruising with the Lord. However, he let things get in the way, as it were. Right? Yes. And clearly was demonstrating actions and behavior that were not in line with the Lord. Mm-hmm. That did not exhibit the, the nature and character of our Lord and Savior. However, he was now brought to a place where he sought the Lord again. Where he opened the door and made a way, if you will, uh, welcome the Lord in to have say in his life. To be able to speak into it. Which means there was also repentance there. Hmm. Does everyone understand that? Are there any questions? As we're, as you go through the word throughout your day, your life, and you understand, you gain understanding from the word. For example, we were talking about blaming other people as a product of sin nature, right? You can go all the way back to Adam and woman in the garden, right? When God was like, what have you done? Adam said, the woman you gave, the woman you gave me, he blamed the woman and God all in one breath, just like you know, butter off his lips, right? That's a product of sin nature. So when you learn things like that, don't just go, okay, that's great, and keep moving. Understand that and apply it to yourself. Meaning, if blaming other people for situations is a product of sin nature, then don't allow yourself to partake in blaming others in that capacity. Yes, things happen. Life happens. But what, what benefit and purpose is it to spend days and hours and whatnot going, it's your fault. Whose fault is this? It's your fault. And, and being mad at those people <clears throat> because then that's unforgiveness, which then it grows all these other roots of bitterness and, and so on and so forth down the line, right? It's described in the word as, as murder, right? You, you had murderous thoughts in your heart. Or anger, all those things. The Lord lumps it all in and says it's all murder. You've already committed it in your heart. As opposed to just forgiving. And moving forward. So don't spend your time trying to point the finger at others. That's precious time you can be seeking the Lord for answers. To move forward. Right? David could have looked back and said, well, no, it's your fault, right? And he could have sat down and said, well, and started blaming people 
right? He could have blamed God. He could have done a variety of things, but he didn't. Instead, he, saw, he turned to the Lord and said, okay, God, where do we go from here? But any one of these people could have done that same thing. Right? At any point in time in these last 16 months. So this is our life before the Lord. Don't let things that are a product of sin nature that try to manifest itself in humanity just because of the fact that sin is in the earth. Don't let those reign and rule in your life. Realize what they are and stop them. Put them out of you, right? Because yes. you have a choice. I don't recall seeing Jesus blaming folks. You know, he's hanging on the cross and it's your fault I'm up here. He didn't do that, right? It's your sin. That's why I got to be on the, I had to come down here because of your, he didn't, he didn't have any of that. Did he? No. But he and, said what? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He forgave them in the middle of the act. Not waiting, not until after it's over, not taking months and years or whatever to process it and figure out how he felt about something. That was during, in the middle, during the very act of being murdered, of being crucified. while being innocent. Yes, so he didn't blame. And the, the Bible, depending on the translation that you have, says that he despised the shame or he paid no attention to it. He didn't start looking at, look at all well, this is how hard it is for me and that's their fault and why I got to be up here. I didn't do anything wrong. They did all the sin. God, we should just let them go. You know, he didn't do any of that. He didn't even pay attention to that. But instead, he focused on the joy set before him. He focused on completing the task that his father sent him, not created, but sent him there because he is a creator. The father sent him there to complete. Right? He focused yes. on, God, what did, Father God, why did you have me here? Or why are we doing this? Right? To complete the work that God set before him. Right? Yes. And so he could go, it's finished. It is finished. So don't pay attention to those kind of things, but instead put your focus back on the father. And don't allow those kind of things like blaming, like your dad already pointed out, leads to bitterness, which leads to unforgiveness, which then separates you from the blessing and the plan of God, right? Yes. And then it starts to branch out and contaminate every other aspect of your life. So as you're learning wisdom and counsel from the, the word of God, don't just go, oh, that's great, and, and keep moving. Take it and apply it to your life. So if you go, it's your fault, and your finger starts to curl out and your mind starts to go to that, stop yourself. Be on the watch. Am I blaming people? Am I blaming God? Or am I taking accountability for what my actions were, my choices and my decisions? And then bringing it before the Father and going, okay, Lord, let's work on this. Because that doesn't look like you. Okay? Yes. All right. And that's what you see in verse 8. David inquired of the Lord, right, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And then he received an answer from the Lord, right? So this is something that early on in David's life and for most of his life, this was his, I'll say, pattern and habit that he built in himself, right? Which was to bring everything before the Lord and receive the answer, receive the plan from the Lord, and then move forward in it, then carry it out, mm -hmm. being obedient to everything that the Lord instructed him to do, which uh -huh. is the example that we should all have 
and the pattern that we should all follow is that Jesus did the same thing. That's why he could say, I only say what my father says, and I do only do what my father does. Why? Because everything was brought before the Lord. Mm-hmm. So then he could carry it out. And that's how he got Jesus, got the results that he got. Answers to prayer, miracles, everything. Because everything passed before the Lord. David, in a similar manner, receives the same thing. And we can all have that as well. If we bring everything before the Lord and get what he says on it, and then actually carry it out his way, we'll have incredible results as well. Just like Jesus, just like David, just like the prophets. Just like all in in Hebrews, in chapter 11, the great men of faith and woman. Mm -hmm. But all these, these great people of faith that we read about throughout Scripture, we can have those results too. However, the Lord plans and purposes for it to look in our lives. Mm-hmm. So I want to have a little side caveat here, and then I want to say something else. Side note, you will hear preachers and, and pastors, some of, I mean, who, who are right in what they're saying, they'll say, find a scripture and stand on it, Right? Yes. But the more perfect execution of that is to find the word that God says that he's speaking to you right now, that this applies to that situation. Right? Yes. yes. Let's look at Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness. When Satan came to him, he could have just started spouting out scriptures. Right? Yes. He is the word of God. He knows every word ever spoken by the Lord. Right? And he actually knows yes. what part they have written down, what part they don't. But he didn't do that. Why? Because that's not what I asked him to do in the moment. Because God spoke the scripture that was needed for this situation. To address the core issue or thing being used to attract in, a, in an attempt to attack him or to thwart the plan. So God knows the specific answer, right? Yes. So... Every, so if we equated the word of God to a weapon, right? It's the sword of the spirit. But if, if each one were a bullet, God knows the bullet, right, that you need to knock it out on the first try versus going, you know, the spray and pray. If I just throw a bunch of them out in barrage, I'll hit something at some point. When God knows the answer, okay? Jesus spoke pointed and specific scriptures, Right? Because that's what the Father, through the Holy Spirit, he didn't go out there into the wilderness till he was, right? Till the Holy Spirit ascended upon him and remained. But he spoke what the Holy Spirit was telling him. This is the answer for what you're facing. Okay? And each time he did that. Right? Okay. He didn't just start quoting every scripture that there was or ever would be. He said what the Holy Spirit told him to say. Right? He even told his disciples that. Don't think about what you're going to say before you get there. Don't start planning up and sticking all the scriptures in your bag. Like, I'm going to just start whamming them with scriptures when I get there. Right? Have them in your heart, absolutely. But he said that the Holy Spirit would tell them in the moment what they needed to say. Right? Absolutely. Okay. Case in point for that. Just like, just like what Paul <laughs> says, right? I don't, he's like, I'm not shadow boxing. I'm not beating the air with my mm-hmm. fists, right? But he's doing things with a purpose, targeted, accurate 
right? Like, like a professional, like a, a someone that's skilled, whether it's warfare, but whatever it is, it's skilled actions and behavior to achieve the desired results. Mm-hmm. Not flailing about, but skilled, pointed, disciplined, and diligent actions and behaviors. So here's an example of that. Someone may be facing sickness in their body. They're seeing a manifestation of illness. And they go, okay, well, I know that the scripture says, by your stripes I'm healed. But if they listen to the Lord a little more closely, he would say, forgive. So your Father in heaven will forgive you. When you stand before me praying, forgive, right? He may go to a scripture that talks about forgiveness Versus just saying, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. Not that I'm making light of those scriptures are powerful, but Absolutely. he may be saying, your issue is not, in fact, by your stripes you were healed. You got that. But what's standing in between you? And receiving that healing is unforgiveness. Maybe. It's just as, as one it's, example. That's an example. Our mind might go, well, this, these are the healing scriptures. Let me go to the healing scriptures. But the answer, the seed of it, the root of the manifestation you're seeing might, in fact, be something totally different that you wouldn't naturally think of. Unforgiveness can absolutely cause sickness to manifest and remain in a believer's life. But we don't necessarily think of that one first, right? Yes. So that's why it's important to listen, God, what are you saying is the answer for what I'm facing right now? And another time he may say, you need to stand on this and enforce by your stripes, by his stripes, we were healed. Get his word and perspective on it. Okay. Um, does that make sense to you guys? You understand that? Yes. Okay. So the other point that I wanted to bring up, different note, um, how do we know? We looked at Saul and David. We've been, we've been looking at the um, comparing and contrasting them as we've gone along. Honey, you brought up that David repented. There was repentance in his, his um, interaction here. With well, the Lord. There has to be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. How do we know that? How can we tell? By looking at the word, because it doesn't specifically say that here, that David repented for his distance, and that he had been going off doing his own thing for a little while there, although God was still being merciful to him. How can we tell the difference? The Lord spoke to him. That's yes. one indicator, because when Saul went back, he was... He came and he got the he got the ephods out, or he committed. I'm not commit. He carried out sacrifices. He did this, that, and the other. And if you look at superficially actions, their actions appear to be the same. Yes. So one indicator that he repented, because we know God has already disclosed that He looks at the inward thoughts heart, and intentions of the heart, right? Yeah. Not the outward appearance like man does. He looks at the inward, including motives, thoughts, intentions. He knows. He looks at the inward part of the person. So David, it says at the end of verse 6, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. What does that mean? He came back into agreement with God, back under the the shalom and the covering, right? And then when he went to God and inquired of him, he submitted to come back and ask God for permission and guidance and direction, right? And to intervene on his behalf, whatever you say to me, Lord, I'll do it. He came back into that alignment. That's what God requires of all of us. But in particular, this is their their flow, their relationship, how it has been, like you mentioned, sweetheart, since Mm -hmm. his youth. He came back into agreement with that. 
And Kylo, like you said, God answered with instructions of what to do. Yes. Where Saul, on the other hand, God, when, if, when God did speak to him, if he did say anything, it was the kingdom's torn out of your hand. <laughs> they had that repeat message that he had been getting for some time. If he got a message. If he got anything. And, uh, yeah. If yep, God said anything, exactly. it was, nope, the kingdom has departed from your hand, and he's given it to somebody better than you. And he kept getting that same message over and over. So the fact that God answered him with counsel and instructions and with assurance, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all, basically saying, I'm going to be with you. I've already put this in, given this into your hands. Go ahead. I got you. Right? Yes. Instead of going, David, I'm tearing it out of your hand. <laughs> I'm tearing the kingdom out of your hand or anything else. God could have said anything he wanted. So those are clues and indications to us that, okay, whatever, whatever David said, whatever their interaction was, God was pleased with it. He was all right with it. And he was able to instruct him and give counsel versus going, being silent or having another message. That makes sense. Yes. Okay. All right. Any other, any questions on that? No. Any any other comments or anything? No. All right. Well, let's continue. Layla, will you read verses nine through twenty, please? Yes. So David went, he and the six hundred men who were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those stayed. Yeah, where those mm -hmm. stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 men stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. And they gave him bread, and he ate, and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion on the southern area of the Cherethites. Cherethites. Thank you. In the territory which belongs to Judah, and of the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Can you take me down to this troop? So he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped, except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. Any questions? Any comments? Anything the Holy Spirit revealed to you? Um, could it be perhaps that those 200 men that stayed behind, they were weary from all that crying they were doing? <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> That's a good point. If they had spent their time going, okay, Lord, what's the answer? 
right? Instead of crying and acting crazy. Um. Or listening to the word of the Lord that came through uh, Abiathar to David, right? Through the, yes. the ephod, right? So if they had stopped blaming and spent their time in what was actually meaningful and purposeful to solve the problem, not just going, whose fault is it? It's your fault. It's your fault. Boo-hoo-hoo. Right? Or focusing yeah. on the what was lost because the word was, you're going to recover everything. Well, they, they cried all night before they got, the, <laughs> before they got yes. the word, but still. I would have cheered if he said you would come out. It's the attitude, right. though. The attitude of having a, a mindset that if everything's not perfect and everything doesn't just go your way, now all of a sudden you fall apart and you blame God or you blame other people, right? Unless things are nice and pretty and tied up with a bow all the time and it's rainbows and sunshines, you can't endure. Because it's for everybody, right? We all come to these moments in our lives where if it seems, feels, right, our eyeballs, our ears can acknowledge, hey, there's, there's a husband a loss. Mm-hmm. But what, is, what does the Lord say? I'm going to give it back to you. You're going to recover everything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give back everything that's been taken from you. Now, then what is our response? Do we come into alignment and agree and and in faith, trust the Lord that what he says is true? Or do we focus still on what we don't yet see or hear with our eyes or our ears? Focus on what the Lord told you that was going to happen and have faith that he will bring it to pass? That's what we should do. Mm-hmm. We absolutely should focus and trust the Lord in faith that he will accomplish everything that he said he will do. Absolutely. But... There's got to be a willingness, and there's got to be a that's a choice and a determination made in your mind, in your spirit, that that's what you're going to do. Because there's many that have received words from the Lord where he gives the answer, and this is what he said he would do. But, if, but there comes a time where if people don't see it right away, or it doesn't happen instantly, does their faith remain? Or do they let it go? Mm-hmm. They let it go. Some. It depends. And some hold on to it. Some hold fast in faith until they see the answer from the Lord. That's a personal choice, though. So. Always trust the Lord. Right? When his word goes mm-hmm. forth, it accomplishes all he plans and purposes. Mm-hmm. He's faithful. He will do it. Trust him. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. Okay. So at any point in our lifetime, right, God gives an overarching promise. So David has an overarching promise, like, that he's going to be king. But each of these people already agreed in some capacity. That's why they're with him, right? Lord, we know you're doing this great thing, and we're a part of it. We're in this blessing. Not that they don't have their own, but we're just happening to focus on David's life in this um, particular, this, this book, or this section of the, the first Samuel. There's an overarching promise, you're going to be king. And in that, that he'll be with, God will be with him all of his days, et cetera, et cetera. That also means that he's going to take care of you in the process. So the way my mind works is when I learn a lesson, I'm like, okay, <laughs> we're good. I'm not good. You don't have to repeat that. Like me injuring myself or 
finding trouble in my life by I me mean, keep making the same mistake over and over. I, I strive not to do that because it's it's not beneficial to me. No. Um, <laughs> it's detrimental. So it is. And painful. So when you're walking with God, like if you can imagine you're on this this line, like a timeline, if you will. And as you're walking with him, at any point, you have the opportunity to either get off the track, say, give up, God, I don't believe you anymore, I'm not going to do this anymore, I quit, and sit down in the mud and, and or go off and do whatever. Or remain. you have the option and the opportunity to decide and choose to remain. At any point, you can do that along the journey. So imagine these people... They had the option to make up their mind and settle it in their heart that, God, I'm going to believe you at all times. It may be hard. I may have some tears in my eyes, but I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to stay in believing you. The problem with pity, self-pity, and sorrow is that it causes you to entertain thoughts that drive you away from the Lord. I'm lost. I've lost everything. How could you say you lost everything when God himself said he'll never leave you or forsake you? You understand what I'm saying? So thoughts of self-pity, oh, things are so hard for me. When God said he'll be with you. And when we submit ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt us in due time. So you understand what I'm saying? Those kind of thoughts cannot continue to play over and exist in you. And you hear them and go and allow yourself to be drawn into them so that you feel sorrow. You cry all night till you have no strength left, et cetera, et cetera, without it pulling you away from and contradicting what God has already said. If God is for you, who can be against you? Yes. So to go, oh, I'm all alone. There's no one here beside me. Yeah. <laughs> all right, donkey. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> A little Shrek. But, no, but still. How can you be in sorrow and pity when God himself has already spoken to you? So you see what it has to create in order to exist, yes, right? Yes, yes. So at any point you have a choice. And you notice David, he said back a couple chapters ago, someday, you know, put his hand up to his head, what was me? Someday I might die by the hand of Saul. And he entertained those thoughts and he felt sorry for himself. You know, the Lord said everything again, uh, against that. Every word that David had ever received was the exact opposite. But in that instance, David's words were contrary, were uh, stark, were harsh against the Lord, right? That's the same mm-hmm. thing that was said about the children of Israel. And he started to the believe it. The words are stout against That's the word. The words mm-hmm. are stout, stout against, against me. him. Yeah. On some part, he entertained it as though it had some validity. When God said, when he was ruddy and good-looking from out stinking in the pasture, where his own dad didn't even think he was worthy of being called in there because he had couldn't have had any shot of being worth anything, right? His dad didn't even invite him in. Samuel had to go. There's a, Surely there's somebody else. Where's, where's the rest of them? Where's the other one? Because God said no to all of these, right? The Lord had to go, yes. there's one more. But David's own father didn't count him worthy of being counted, right, or recognized. But God did. So God found him when he was nothing. Not that he found him. He already knew where he was, of course. But when he was nobody, and promised him something, made him a promise. So him going, well, someday I'm going to die by hand, Saul's hand, is calling God a liar. Mm-hmm. God, you lied. Because he's not going to let him be king and have a, a good life. With good with long life will he satisfy us, right? When we set our affections upon him, with long life will he satisfy us and show us his salvation. But instead, he'll let you die by the hands of 
someone that's already rejected God and God has rejected him. How does that speak well of our Lord? It does. Okay. And then he started the journey off into raiding people and killing everybody. Like that whole mentality, that wasn't godly. But then he decided, I'm going to get back up, get back in line with you, God, and continue down my, my timeline, if you will. My, my track that you put me on, Jesus, I'm going to continue down that, that line. But the more excellent thing, the safer thing for you is to not get off to begin with. Don't allow yourself to take side quests. Okay? Because a side quest is a distraction, and it's made to steal your destiny from you. Yes, The side quest is not a relief or relaxation. It doesn't alleviate you from anything, but only it's made as a snare. But if you stay on the path that God has for you, which sometimes it has pauses in it, and it feels like I'm not doing anything and everybody else is doing all this, that, and the other, but you're on his journey, his tract, his timeline that he has for you, you're safe there. You, you won't violate him, right? You're staying in agreement and fellowship and faith towards him. Then you can continue on. So, yes, you can come back any point and, and get back, right? The Lord says when we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see David partaking in that there. God didn't slap him upside the head and tell him, never mind. But he gave him grace and mercy. He had mercy on him and allowed him to continue. But the better thing is to not get off the track to begin with. It's possible, but it means you have to restrain yourself. It means you have to discipline your flesh and your soul. It has to be transformed, right? Yes. By the renewing of your mind it, so that you're not conformed to the world. You, like the, the tip I told you about when you learn things, like blaming other people is a result of sin nature. When you learn that kind of stuff, buffet your flesh. Transform your soul with that information and renew your mind to the word of God. He didn't ask you to blame anybody else. He knows who did what. He knows who was there and who was not there. He knows the intentions and the motivations they had and their actions. He knows that. That's why he said vengeance is mine, because he understands. You may see a result of something, but that doesn't mean that's exactly what it was. He's got this. He's God all by himself. But transform your mind with that information so that you can remain on the track. God is a good God. He wouldn't tell you something that he was unable to perform. His hand isn't, hasn't grown slack. He's not lacking in strength and ability. His arm is not short. Just like Sarah and Abraham, they had to believe, right, and reconcile yes. it in their mind, their spirit, their soul, and their body, that God, what God said, he's able to perform. There Amen. had to be agreement within their being, Amen. not arguing with themselves. Your mind is going... God can't do it. Your spirit's going, oh, of course God can do it. The alive, the awakened spirit to the Lord believes him. They're, you know, like when you're born again? Yes. That, that inward man, the spirit man, the part of you that is awakened to God believes that. But your soul, which is comprised of your mind, your will, and your emotions, that has to be transformed and renewed, right? Yes. Washed with the water of the word. That part of you has to be brought into subjection. And subsequently, your flesh, your physical body, which is connected to your soul, right? Yes. That's how you, when you feel sorrowful on the inside, your eyeballs produce tears. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense? Yes. Okay. 
that has to be buffeted, right, and made to walk what God wants it to walk, to walk that line. But you have a choice about it. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. What else did everybody get out of this section? You can also see that they're kind of hypocritical because first they say, let's stone David, then they said, this is David's spoils. At the end, yep. So they recovered all of their stuff and extra. All the stuff that or items that they had just captured from this group of people. And so this is David's stuff. Yep. I was also pointing out like how you see that there's emotions and they change quickly. One minute they're ready to stone David the next. We're showing you his presence and spoils. Or they're singing his song. Or he's a jolly good fellow and bouncing them <laughs> on their shoulders, basically. Feelings and emotions, yeah. Don't don't let them control you. They lie. They change. They are fickle. That fast, from one moment to the next. Mm-hmm. From one moment to the next, they change. So, no, don't trust them. Or don't let them control your actions. Mm-hmm. What else? I also thought and found it amazing of God how coincidentally they stumbled on one of the Egyptian servants that, oh, yeah, we just took these people's stuff and we burned the place with fire. What else did you get out of that part? And he let him write to him. He's like, he didn't stop to, oh, well, Oh, you guys were the people we raided? Oh, I'm sorry. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll take you over there. Just don't give me back to my master. Don't kill me either. Yes, there's a lot in there. Mm -hmm. So, just there's a, I'll say, a a guide. This is the plan. This is where they're going, right? (laughs) Like, yes. They're right down there. How would he actually (laughs) even know? No. (laughs) Now, let's look at this from, from some human perspective as well. Do you think David and his men were incapable of tracking this other group to the location where they were? No. Absolutely not. Because they had already found them up until this point. And they found one of their guys, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But what is David's actions and responses? He's back to his old self. Exactly. He finds a person that committed all these acts against David. And still treats him kindly. Well, let's, let's, <laughs> it's deeper than that. He's with, well... 400 warriors, 400 people that are going to go to war and slaughter people to get, uh, uh, slaughter them, eliminate the enemy and get their stuff back. They, they are focused. They're determined, calculated. This is what we're going to do. And now they find one of them. So, so wait a second. So everyone just wanted to kill David not, not too long ago. But now what's David doing? He's helping one of the supposed enemies. He, he cares showed, for him. Showing him mercy. He has Doesn't compassion. He feeds him. He, right? Unlike this person's other master who, oh, you got sick? Well, so, you're on your own. Hey, what, did the, what, is, what does Jesus say? If you find your enemy, do what to him? Treat him kindly. Feed him. Feed him. Because it reaps fiery, heaps fiery coals on their head. Mm. There's that as well. But now David also has to stand in this. There's no doubt, even though it doesn't say this specifically, 
Because all these people, there's no doubt, want to kill this individual. Or he wouldn't have brought it up himself and said, hey, don't kill me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? But now David is acting as a shield and a buffer for this individual. And yes, this Egyptian helps him out and leads him right to his purpose. Like I said, David's people and David himself weren't incapable of tracking the enemy down. Mm-hmm. But again, like your mother said, he's back to his, his old self of caring for others, of displaying that care, that compassion. He's not walking around in anger oh. anymore, pity and, and sorrow, right? Yes. You've, there's a, He's standing for what's right. Remember this for me, Romans 12, 20. Someone turn to that one. And do you know what scripture that is where David is talking about if there's any way in me? Um, uh, That's but, in the Psalms. Yes. I, I don't know. remember specifically. Um, there, there's a few of them. There are a few of them. But in this particular scripture, he's talking about like, Lord, rough up my enemies, you know. Break their teeth. Give and it all to them. Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Psalm 139, verse 24. Let's see. Let's see. I don't think it's one of them. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's it. Psalms 139. Um, but if you look at verses... Yes, 23 and 24... Where he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. Mm-hmm. And see if there is any wicked way in me. and Lead me in the way everlasting. Okay. So I think we talked about this in one of the teachings before. But if you go to the verses previously, prior to that, it says, verse 19, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men. For they speak against me. I'm sorry. For they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord? who you hate, and do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them as, I count them my enemies. Then he goes, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. But we know that what God says is, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him water. Give him water. For in doing so, Right, he yes. says, heathens love those that love them. Yes. What, how, how, what difference is there between you and them if that's, that's only your limitation is I love those that love me. I'm nice to those that are nice to me, which God doesn't deal in niceties. He says kindness, which is an element of love. Yes. What good is it? He said, but in doing so, you heap coals of fire upon their head. You can take that as frustrating, but it also keeps them warm. Like they had little turbans that used to keep coal in to start their fire later on in the desert. Like, like a little something warm, whatever. Yes. But you're keeping them warm. Yes. And helping them versus looking you trying to exact your own vengeance upon them. That's God's way. And then you see David here. 
he could have taken this little Egyptian man and shook him by the collar and slapped his face. And, you know, you tell me where they went. Where did they go? Where did they go? You know, and kept beating him up. He could have done that. And his, his men might have been like, yeah. Get him one more time. You know, punch his gut this time. Right? Just like they tried to do with Saul. Just give me just one shot with this spear. I don't need another one. I'm, I'm going to make it count. Right? Yes. I think these are the same people. They're still his men. Mm-hmm. But now David is taking the more excellent way. That God said, this is how my heart actually is, my son. To, to love your enemy. To feed those. To clothe them. Right? To give them water. This is literally, yeah, we just burned them good and um, <laughs> we took their stuff. He's telling them, right? We just did all this. This is, this is who I belong to. But then because he didn't enter into vengeance, right, and that vengeful nature, and he had come back into alignment and agreement with the Lord, who knows, that could have been right where one, Psalm 139 was written <laughs> right in this chapter. There's a bunch know. of places where that's possible. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. But... He came back into alignment and was able to not only solve, continue in the journey of solving the problem, which is getting back their families, right, and recovering all, as God said, but was also able to offer this gentleman freedom. Yes. And maybe when someone, because clearly this man already knew, swear by God. Mm-hmm. He didn't say swear by the gods because he's Egyptian, so they had, Multiple. everything was a god to them, roughly, cats and you know, you name it. They had some kind of version of it. Yes. But he didn't miss an opportunity to be a blessing because he was angry and emotional or et cetera, et cetera. So. Do you know that scripture where it says, I think it says kindness draws, or it's either kindness draws men unto repentance or repentance. It's the goodness of God that draws men unto repentance. But doesn't it talk about how you treat them? You can't, for me, it, it's amusing to watch people when they try to browbeat people and say, you should serve the Lord, but they browbeat and condemn everybody and expect people to see the goodness of God and turn to them. But the Lord's like, the Lord never did that. He didn't go and tar- talk to the harlots and shame her and condemn her. He treated her kindly, and that drew her to repentance, not, oh, don't you know you're going to go to hell tonight. Sure, the Lord said it to some people, but it was never. Oh, he mean said it in a parable. Like he didn't understand this was going to be the the cost of his actions or his yes. his lifetime right now. But it wasn't mean or nasty, and he understood what each person needed. Not some people do need you to talk a little rough for them to get the picture, <clears throat> and other people need you to be kind and but, gentle. But that goes to what we were saying earlier today. Yes. If we want the Lord's results, we have to do it His way, which is bring everything before the Lord. Because the Lord knows what's needed, mm-hmm. right? What did Jesus also say? I don't. I didn't come here to judge, but if I do judge, my judgment is true. Why could He say that? Because He was simply saying what the Lord said the situation was, yes. and He was doing what the Lord told Him to do. Right? Yes. Okay. So it, the judge, any judgment, wouldn't come from Him and what His own eyes heard or saw or what His own ears heard. But it came from what he heard his father saying. Mm-hmm. So that is truth. Yes. It's not about what we think or, or any of those things. Mm-hmm. So what the Lord says it is. Amen. And that's what the situation is. 
So, yep, there are people that just need it very direct, very blunt. Mm-hmm. And there are people that, uh, I'll say for lack of a better way to phrase it, you got to kind of treat with some kid gloves, right? And the Lord will reveal all those things. Yeah, it's not you determining who deserves niceties and pleasantries and who deserves slapping around. That's not our Fire job. Fire brimstone or whatever right. way you want to phrase it. Jude chapter 1 describes it like this. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. So I mean, you, you are a little bit rougher. And, and not rougher in the sense of how we think of it, but speak just the way that God tells you to speak. You may be saying, God, that sounds harsh. And he's like, I got this. Just, just deliver my message the way I told you to deliver my message. Right? Yes, with yes. the inflections, with the whatever he told you to do, just go do that. And that way he will be pleased, which is our ultimate goal, right? That's our mission is to please the Father, right? And then the people will be blessed. But if God tells me to put my arm around you, but instead I come, yeah, I put my arm around you, but then I slide in a a haymaker and I punch you right up in your gut and knock the wind out of you. Did Did that really benefit anybody? Did I do what God asked me to do? No, No, of course not. If he says put put my arm around you, then I should put my arm around you and then wait for him to give the next instruction. Right? Because sometimes that's all he wants. That's all he needs. Other times, words will flow because he gave them to you. If he tells me to say something to you very pointed and directly, but then I go, well, you know, um, it's okay. Am I doing what he asked me to do? No. No. He didn't ask. Our job is to obey the Lord, not put our own spin on it, not thinking we know better than God. And he needs us to soften who he is or make him a little more fiery. He's God all by himself. What he needs is our obedience, our trusting him enough to let him be God. Anyone else have any other questions? No. no. All right, let's move forward. So, Charles, can you read from verse 21 to the end of the chapter? Yes. Now David came to the two Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David whom they also had made to stay at the brook Beshur. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. But David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the truth that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They Read that shall again, share sweetheart. Like. Read that again. Read verse 24. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is mm-hmm. who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. Okay, thank you. So it was from that day forward he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. And when David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, Here is the present from you from the spoils from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. To those who were in Bethel, those who were in Ramah, of the south of those who are in Jeter, 
Jatir, sorry. Those who are in Aror, and those who are in Sifma. Mm -hmm. For those who are in Eshtemo, sorry, thank you, Will. And those who are in Rachel, those who are in the cities of the Jeromalites, those who are in the cities <laughs> of the Kenites, those who are in the city who are in Horma, those who are in Korshan, and those who are in Atek, and those who are in Hebron, <laughs> and all the people who David himself and his men were accustomed to roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting all quiet on the, the words. Right. Right. Sure. Yeah, yes. Oh, it's okay. So basically, he sent out a lot of gifts. Okay. So, what do you get out of all that? A whole section. Uh, yes, sir. That dude wasn't gonna go let the he wasn't gonna let men go. I don't say crazy, but go kill, not kill. Go send the other people away. You also but see here. Oh, sorry, you're not finished. Go ahead. Only their wives and children. Okay. What were you going to say? You also see here that while he wasn't in um, Israel anymore because he felt like Saul was going to pursue him and going to kill him in there, you can also see how he is still willing to give them back their stuff and saying, we know what's ours, and this is what the Lord told me to give to you. And you can see, um, I don't know if the majority of the spoil was David's, but if we assume that, you can say that David gave it out of his own spoils, saying, let this be a gift from me, because the Lord told me to give it. Not, everybody puts them in the pot, we'll send it over. He said, the Lord told me to do this, so I would do it. Yeah, earlier you brought up an interesting point in verse 20 where, all of the other livestock, so everything that that they had captured that was in addition to the items taken from each individual was considered David's spoil, which was clearly considerable. Yes. And then what did David do? He divided it amongst the cities. That All the cities that offered that him refuge. At, very, at points throughout this entire time. But I also find it interesting that in the previous chapter, when David was conducting his raids, he didn't give anything away. Mm-hmm. He kept it all for his men and within a city. But now this time, he was giving stuff out. But it, it's interesting in the sense that, one, he wouldn't give it away. And when he was doing the raids, it was sinful because it was covered in bloodshed. But also the ones they got from rescuing their people was a clean gift to give and Mm -hmm. wasn't tainted but also what when david was i'll say living in sin right his actions didn't display the character and nature of the lord what were they about uh they weren't being very kind they're self Mm -hmm. it's always about self he was actually living like those worthless men those wicked and worthless men so, very I, similar, right? People can't be selfish, but yeah. then also be considerate of others. Those are two conflicting mindsets. They, they can't dwell together. Yeah. So either people are about themselves, 
or their nature, their character, is to be considerate of others, to look out for others' well-being. So, clearly, there's been some repentance, coming back in alignment with the Lord. And now, yes, also in addition to what you were saying about this was done righteously Mm -hmm. in truth. It's pure. There's no, uh, it's not blood. (laughs) Um, It it wasn't done. Blood money. Right, exactly. Yeah, blood money. Thank you. I was was thinking, I was like, it's not really blood money, but in some way it it is, right? So, however, he he divided that up. He gave it to those that had, had been helpful to him. So, you can see there the, the realignment with the Lord, as it were, in this as well. But then also, what did everyone get out of the previous section? Where he deals with his own people, mm-hmm. those assigned to his care. Does that remind you of anything? Which part did we... When they were like, you didn't go with us, so all you get are your own kids and your wife and get out of here. And that's it. I was sh- The Lord was showing me that... When they're doing it, it says all the wicked and worthless men, if they are really going to accomplish the Lord's will, how can they be doing that in their wicked and heart still? You can say that the Lord, he uses people that he wants to accomplish a goal, but they were so wicked, I'd say that they're blind to see the true meaning of this. Does this remind you of one of the parables that Jesus taught? People agreed to work for a price. And at the end of the day, they would have been rewarded that price. But throughout the day, but throughout the day, more people were brought in for the same wage. It was regardless, irregardless of how, how much, how long they had worked for. They were paid what they had been promised or what had been agreed upon. Right? Yes. Which is that day's wage. Didn't matter what time they started working, the wage was the agreed upon wage. Everybody received the same thing. You have that played out here. It's actually none of their business. Just to be quite frank about it, the the person that owned the vineyard or the, the place where everyone was laboring, it was his to, to do, do what, he, what wanted, he wanted, right? And all your concern is what is my agreement with you, right? What is my agreement? I agreed to work for such. This is what I'm going to get. And that, that same mentality, we're talking about renewing your mind. These weren't necessarily like, um, it says that they're wicked and worthless. It's talking about their heart, like how they consider things. And um, not necessarily always something you can see on the surface, they look regular just like anybody else. But when a particular situation comes up, you see what's really on the inside of them. Yes, like they have a good eye for their brother. Mm-hmm. Even though what was stated, what was, what was the Lord's response? You will recover oh. all. That means everybody is going to receive all of their stuff back. So why then would you or I or anyone else Say, okay, we recovered everything, just like the Lord said, but I'm only going to give you part of your stuff back. It sounds a little bit like... That's not right. It's not just. Exactly. Like, oh, you can have your wife and kids. We don't want them, but we're going to take your stuff. However, what does David do? He tells them no. He he restrains them? 
Exactly. Absolutely. He restrained them. So much so that he also made it a statute, which is the standard, which is regardless of what happens from this point forward, moving forward, this is how we are going to conduct ourselves. Not everybody is meant to essentially be a warrior. Not everybody is meant to, right? Uh, just, like in, just like in the New Testament, Paul talks about there are certain types of gifts, and the Holy Spirit gives to each one as he wills. Mm-hmm. Not all are prophets, are they? Not all are apostles, right? Not all are evangelists, not all are mm-hmm. shepherds, not all are teachers, and then all the other various gifts. There mm-hmm. are gifts of helps, uh, administrative gifts, right? <laughs> there are all these different kinds of gifts. Yes. Not all are the same. But all are necessary for the body. Exactly. For the completion and the fullness of the work that God sent us to. Like he said, I, the eye can't say to, the, say to the hand or the foot, I have no need of you. Because then we'd all be a body full of eyeballs, which would be pretty gross. <laughs> we can't grab anything. We can only look at stuff. So we're never going to get to eat because you can't eat with eyeballs. You understand what I'm saying? So even a, obviously I love to reference the, the, the pinky toe. It's, it's not the prettiest part of the body. It, all, it seems pointless, but you have no balance without it. As someone who's lost their pinky toe, they need some more stability in order to balance their body because such a little thing provides such a great service. And it's often, it's the hardest one to paint. It's the least pretty to look at. Well, guys aren't painting their toenails, but. Sure are. It's the roughest one. The shoe wears on it the most. Yes. Out of all of the shoe, you know, out of the other toes. Some would call it ugly. But it provides such a great service. What good is it if we can't walk or run? Right? So we need that. We need the whole body to provide what it provides. And here's wisdom. In that counsel of him just of David just being submitted to God, he learned something. He took all his troops and left Ziglag of vulnerable. Again. With just women and children there and all their riches that they've been so craftily hoarding to themselves. But he took all his men of war, right? The, uh, the, um, Jesus talks about having to um, bind the strong man before you can plunder a house. David took his strong man completely away. His men of valor were with him. All there were women and children and a bunch of stuff. So these, um, who was it that raided them? The Malachites. The Malachites were like, hey. Well, well, let's also point this out. These are one of the groups that David was also raiding during this 16 months. Oh, yeah. It was just a raid. Potentially. But does that not also fulfill scripture? Yes. Man will reap what he sows. Mm. So there is that as well. Is one of the groups, one of the tribes or peoples that you, David, in this case, has been raiding for approximately 16 months. And it just so happens that he's raided by the same group of people. They were watching. Everybody knows the Philistines and Israel were getting ready to fight. They were scoping out what's available. Probably had a little target right on Ziglag because they knew. All right, it's a human, human saying or human nature, human perspective saying there's opportunity and chaos. So they were trying to take advantage of that. Oh, they're over there fighting. Look, and there's nobody there because, you know, they sent a scout to ride by a couple times mm-hmm. on this horse or whatever his camel rode by. Three times, there's nobody out there. They're unprotected. So David learned in coming back into submission to the Lord, his wisdom is restored, right? Yes. How wise is it to leave the stuff that you do have 
unattended. So everybody's running off to fight again. You learned a lesson. Guard your home. Yes. Leave, leave some folks that can fight there. To and watch then over it. Take, take the other part to go. You never leave your cities completely abandoned. Right? Yes. So he, he learned this lesson and was able to apply it here, but then also go, hey, guys, look what God showed me. <laughs> Here's the wisdom of the Lord. So it's a, they're just as important. The one that stays back to guard what we do have is just as important as the one that goes out to fight. The pinky toe is just as important as the eyeballs. We both need both of them to function. Yes. The mouth so that you can consume food and your teeth. And the eyelashes to protect your eye. We need all Crazy of it. Concept. We need everything that God equipped us with. Okay? Yes. And also, if he had let them do this, what kind of strife would that have sown in discord within his group? And then within his kingdom, as it grows. Mm -hmm. Every person for themselves. Or, as the Lord had already determined and purposed, to bring everyone together in unity. Mm -hmm. Right? And just like you saw, as the Holy Spirit was given in the New Testament in Acts, right? Everybody in one accord, with one mind, and one voice. Yes. Yes. So let's stop there for today. And uh, who wants to close us out in prayer? I will. All right, I promise. Go for it, sir. Yeah, I thank you for providing us a way to know you better and giving us the wisdom just to do what you tell us to do. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for just giving us the hand to restrain our enemies and discipline ourselves and not let ourselves go wild. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 We love you. Bye. Everybody have a wonderful day. God bless you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.